Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. It's good to have you joining us online as well. Uh, Actually, um, the beginning of this year, I threatened to make this a year of uh, 2020 vision puns. Um, but it's definitely safe to say that we didn't see COVID coming. Uh, so that's kind of got in the way, but I had to sneak that one in there just to get one final terrible joke in for the year. I know how much you all appreciate them. Not really. Um, so I, I want to begin this morning. Thank you, Terry. Terry loves them. Uh, <laughs> at least someone does. Uh, I want to begin this morning just by sharing a little something about me uh, that you might not know. So when I was at school, I used to love playing rugby. Uh, it was one of my favorite sports to play. I played a lot of sports, but in particular, I love rugby. And I think it's because, if I'm honest, I was perhaps a little bit more aggressive than your average human being at that point. And so uh, playing rugby just meant that I had a, a safe avenue to kind of let out some of that pent-up aggression. I was one of the few people that actually preferred it when the other team had the ball, because it meant I had an opportunity to tackle someone, which was my favorite part of the game. Um, and so uh, I, I spent uh, several years playing rugby and, and got quite involved with it. I'd be uh, training and playing games most weeks. And so I got to understand the sport pretty well. Um, But my my understanding and knowledge of the sport really got put to the test when a couple of years into university, I went on a mission trip with Antioch to Kutsk in Eastern Russia. Uh, And one of the things that we were doing there is we were gonna spend several days um, running a Christian sports camp, basically. Uh, And most of the kids, uh, some of the kids were from the local uh, Antioch church there in Okutsk, um, but a lot of them were actually from just the local neighborhood and from a local orphanage, many of which uh, actually weren't Christians, didn't know anything about Jesus. And so I found myself uh, having to try and teach rugby to a bunch of teenage Russian kids who didn't speak a word of English and had never played the sport before. Let's just say this challenged my uh, ability to teach, this challenged my understanding of the game somewhat. Uh, And, you know, even basic things of trying to teach the principle of throwing, the ball can only ever go away from uh, the line that you're trying to run to when you pass it. Uh, To someone in Russian, or in a lack of Russian, who doesn't speak English, that's quite a challenge. Uh, Let's just say it put my uh, charade skills to the best Uh, to the test and they're not very good at the best of times and so uh, one thing that I learned from this experience is that there is a big difference between knowing how to do something for yourself and teaching somebody else how to do it and I think a lot of us we feel the same way in our own faith as well in our own spiritual walk it's one thing to to know how to live out the, the Christian faith for ourselves but it's an entirely different ball game altogether when we're trying to teach somebody else how to do it. Which is why today as we close our series on the heart of a disciple, I want to talk to you about making disciples. Now as I say that word, that may be uh, just something that is a completely new concept to some of you. Maybe you've never even considered the thought that you are meant to go and make disciples. 
but it's actually another characteristic in the heart of a disciple that we would actually not just learn uh, from somebody else, but we'd actually take the things that we're learning and that we would pass it on to somebody else. Now, I don't know how many of you remember the definition that we've been using of discipleship as we've gone through this series, but just to recap, uh, we define discipleship as one person helping others become lifelong, obedient followers of Jesus, who in turn help others become the same. See, it's not just down to us to, to receive discipleship. Discipleship is something that we're then to pay for and give to somebody else. A true disciple is not just looking for what he can gain from somebody else. He's looking for what he can give and impart into someone as well. And many of you will be familiar with uh, Paul the Apostle. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he's actually responsible for a significant amount of the writings that we find in the New Testament. He spent most of his, uh, his time going around planting churches, um, but he also spent a lot of that time uh, discipling people and raising them up as leaders and, and investing in them. And one of the guys that he spent a lot of time investing in is a man named Timothy. And this is where we get the books 1 and 2 Timothy from. And we see in 2 Timothy, he has this advice, uh, this command to go and make disciples. He says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to trustworthy people who will also be able to pass this on to others. This passage for those of you who don't know, is often referred to as the four generations passage. Because we have, first of all, generation one, Paul, who has been taking the time to teach generation two, Timothy, who is then expected to go on and teach generation three, reliable people, who will then eventually go on to teach generation four, others. See, this is how we are meant to grow. When one person invests in somebody who then takes that and invests in somebody who then takes that and invests in somebody else and so on and so on. This is how the church was meant to be lived out. This is the master plan of Jesus. When he began to disciple uh, his, the 12 disciples, this was his idea. He eventually, one of the last things he said was now go and make disciples. Because at the heart of a disciple, one of the key characteristics of a disciple is that disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. Now, maybe this isn't a completely new concept to you. Maybe actually this is something uh, that you've heard before, something that you know that you should be doing, uh, but it's perhaps not something that you're living out on a daily basis. And I think that's probably because, uh, as you're hearing this, there's probably three thoughts that are coming to, into your head. These three thoughts are the same thoughts that I had when I was first asked to disciple someone, that they, they just kind of hinder us from being able to do it. And these are, these are lies that we can believe, and I've found that as I've discipled people and as I've, I've encouraged and helped others to go and make disciples, these three things come up time and time again as reasons why we don't make disciples. <clears throat> so what are the lies that hinder us from making disciples? Well, the first is I have nothing to offer. You know, I'm, I don't know enough 
I've got nothing to say. I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know how to, to share things. I, I don't know how to live it out for myself. I've got nothing to offer. But the truth is, I, I think actually there's this myth about discipleship and about making disciples that we have to be uh, the spiritual elite. We have to be the super Christians in order to be able to disciple someone. I think we can often have this thought that comes in of like, who am I to disciple somebody? It almost feels arrogant to think that I could disciple somebody else. But the truth is, every single one of us can make disciples. If you don't believe me, then I just encourage you to go ahead and look at the who Jesus picked as his own disciples. You know, he picked 12 people, and these were the people who would then uh, be commanded to go and make disciples. These were the ones that he was choosing to put the, the hope of the future of the church in. And if, if you go and look through uh, each of the Gospels, you'll see an account of the first disciples that he called to himself, and, and you'll see that he doesn't go to the temple. He doesn't go and find the, the spiritual elite. He doesn't go and find the ones who knew the most about the scriptures. He doesn't go and find the most influential people, the most uh, impressive people. He goes and finds fishermen. He goes and finds fishermen. I mean, these were not the, the most influential, the most highest in society kind of people. These were not uh, people who were particularly well-educated. We actually don't even know whether they would have been able to read or write or not. Jesus went and found the lowest in society to use them to make the biggest impact. And we see another account of Jesus uh, going and finding Matthew, the tax collector. Now, tax collectors were despised people in this culture. Now, they were known for being greedy and corrupt. They were known for being people who would uh, take more than they should have just so that they could line their own pockets. These are the kind of people that Jesus found and said, you are the ones that are going to be my disciples and you are going to go and disciple people and change the world. Every single one of us has the ability to be a disciple maker. Every single one of us has the ability to change people's lives through discipleship. And the second lie that hinders us from disciple-making is, I don't have time. I don't have time to invest in all these people. Life's busy enough as it is. My schedule is so full, I, I can't manage to add another thing to it. But actually, uh, as I've spent uh, years now learning how to disciple myself, I've found that actually it, sometimes it does require us adding something to our calendar, but a lot of the time we can actually uh, just make better use of the things that we're already doing. See, discipleship doesn't always require extra time. It just requires intentionality with our time. So you can actually find the everyday situations in your life, the things that you're already doing, and use them as opportunities to make disciples. It doesn't have to be this extra event, this extra meeting in your calendar. You can actually just find what you're already doing and apply discipleship to that lesson. Discipleship can happen in the grocery store while you're doing your weekly shop. Discipleship can happen while you're running errands. It can happen while you're on your daily commute. Now, Katrina uh, 
pre-COVID, when we were actually able to, ha able to have a social life, um, she would uh, often have people over to our house and uh, she would just do discipleship while she tidied and cleaned her house. And actually, for those of you who are mums in particular, this is a great opportunity for you to actually free up some time in your calendar because you can actually get people to come and help you tidy your house as long as you're secure enough to let them see the mess. And uh, plen plenty of mess in my house, just if that frees you uh, to actually take that step, it's okay that your house is messy. Um, but yeah, we can take these everyday situations. I, I, you might not be able to tell to look at me, but I love exercise. I also love food as well, which kind of balances it out a little bit. And I've got the dad bod going on now, which kind of hides the fact that I love exercise. But I'll often find opportunities like going for a run or hiking or going rock climbing, things like this, to do discipleship with people. I'll invite somebody along to join me, and that's an opportunity for discipleship. While I was on a mission trip in Japan with the Antioch Orlando team, I was speaking to one of their leaders and asking how she does discipleship. And she was saying a lot of the time she has 30, 40 minute commutes to and from work. And so she just phones people up while she's commuting and just checks in with them, asks them questions to see how they're doing. Discipleship doesn't always have to be this thing that takes up lots of our time. It just requires us being more intentional with the time that we have. And finally, I think the third thought, which is perhaps the, the biggest one, is I have no idea how to make disciples. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. What does good discipleship even look like? How am I supposed to plan? Like, what do I do when I meet up with them? I think some of us are so afraid of doing it wrong and, and just disappointing somebody, or even worse, damaging them in some way. But each and every one of us can make disciples. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we make disciples? Now, I'll be the first to say I am not a discipleship expert. I am still learning and growing in this area of my life. Uh, and so uh, really what I want to do is actually take you through what the scriptures say. But firstly, before I do that, uh, I want to just say the, the first step, the most important step to start with is Get to know their story. Get to know the story of the person you are discipling. Now this may take weeks, maybe even months, as you just ask question after question, just to learn and find out about them. And find out uh, their pains, their past, their, their, uh, their frustrations, find out their hopes, find out their passions, the things that they enjoy doing. Find out what family life is like for them, what's their relationship with their parents like. Find out what their experience has been with God. It's so important that we, that we start discipleship in this place. And it's important for two reasons. Firstly, because discipleship is not a process that we go through. It's about people. And doing this actually shows a value for the person. It's taking time to love that person and value that person. And we're modeling the heart of Jesus when we do that. But secondly... This gives you an opportunity to see where they've been coming from, where they've been. It gives you an understanding of where they are currently in their spiritual journey. And it gives you an idea of the trajectory that they're likely to be heading on in their faith. And this all just points to where you can begin your own journey in discipling them, how you can best help them, because you best understand their need. But once you've done this, then what, then what do we do? What happens in discipleship? 
Well, I want to actually just lead you through uh, some of the, the themes that we see in Scripture. You see, Jesus is the master discipler. Now, he's the one that invested all of his time in three people, uh, three, 12 people, um, and he, he discipled them. And these were the ones that would end up going on to disciple others. And we are all the fruit of that discipleship. Centuries later, God is still moving uh, and, and discipleship is still happening because of the way that uh, d- Jesus discipled the early church. And so we want, if we want to have the impact that Jesus made, we need to do the things that Jesus did. And so I want to encourage you, we, we sadly don't have time to read through all of the Gospels, uh, but I want to encourage you to actually take a little journey, this is a little bit of homework for you, and just go and look at the different things that Jesus did. Look at the subheadings in each of the Gospels, and you'll begin to see that there's actually a pattern that begins to form as Jesus makes disciples. So how did Jesus make disciples? Well, firstly, he taught the word. Now, uh, you'll see, see, he calls the first disciples, then pretty much straight after that in the book of Matthew, uh, you see that he begins the Sermon on the Mount, which is, it goes on for several chapters in the book of Matthew, and he just preaches to the crowds amongst, about different topics. But you may hear that and think, whoa, hang on. I'm already checking out. I have no idea how to teach. I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know how to do that. But I just want to say that's actually not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes, actually, it's better that we aren't great teachers. Because the goal of discipleship isn't to uh, give answers. The goal of discipleship is to help people go to God for their answers, to teach people the discipline and the practice of how to go to Jesus. You may have heard the expression before, give a man a fish and he will feed his family for a day. Teach a man to fish and he will feed his family for a lifetime. You see, when we, are, uh, give, pe- when we give people answers, when we just focus on teaching people, it's easy for them to become reliant and dependent on us for their spiritual growth. But when we teach people how to actually go to God himself in prayer and in in, in scriptures, uh, then we're actually teaching them in a habit that's one of the most foundational and valuable and important lessons that any of us could ever learn in our spiritual formation. And we're teaching them in a habit that enables them to actually continue to do it when we're not with them. And so... We want to actually point people to the words, but that doesn't mean that we have to be this super teacher that's teaching the scriptures. To me, practically, this just simply can look like, well, let's just take a look at what the Bible says about that. So when a question or an issue comes up, just say, well, let's just have a look at what the Bible says. And if you've got a scripture in mind, you just go with that. And if not, then you find out together. It's just say, let's have a look, see what's in there. And then you can just allow them to discover what the Bible says for themselves and just ask questions. One of the things I found is it's also okay to say, I don't know. You see, people often feel like we need to have an answer. But actually, you'll find that people relate best to their flaws, their their failings, their places of insecurity, the things that they struggle with. And they actually need it modeling to them what to do with those. And so it's actually good for us just to be able to say, do you know what, I don't know. Why don't we find out together? 
And again, just go to the Word and see what the Word has to say. Or find people together that can help you and, and walk through that with you. So Jesus first taught the Word. And then next, you'll see in the subheadings that he then just began to model the lessons. He took the things that he was teaching and he began to live it out in front of the disciples. And you see him healing the sick and, and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead and uh, just forgiving people and, and just leading people to salvation. See, Jesus knew that we didn't just need to hear the word. He didn't, we didn't just need to hear a lesson. We needed to see it modeled if we were to actually apply it to our lives. And again, I think sometimes this can feel like a daunting task because, like, wow, I have no idea how to do half the things in the Bible myself. Like, I, there's a lot of pressure right now uh, to, to live this out well. It's okay to understand that while the goal is for each of us to become more like Jesus, it's okay to understand that we're not Jesus. We don't have to be perfect people, and we don't have to model living out the Scriptures perfectly. We just have to model a faithfulness to apply the Scriptures to our lives. People need to see it in action. And so just really practically, a simple way to do this is just whatever you're talking through with someone that you're discipling, just simply find a simple way to practice it in the moment. So if you're talking about encouragement, if you're looking at script, what the scriptures have to say about encouragement, take time to encourage one another. Or find somebody that you can go and encourage. If you're looking at forgiveness, then take time to pray together uh, for anybody who comes to mind that you need to forgive. And you, you just lead out in this process, and th this gives them an opportunity to see it in action. And you can help them do it themselves. But you can also, uh, this requires somewhat of a mindset shift for some of us, uh, but you can also just look for uh, everyday opportunities just to model a kingdom value to them. I remember one time I was um, just arranged to meet with somebody for discipleship at Meadow Hall. Uh, we were going to go uh, to a restaurant and have dinner because it was just a convenient place, convenient time for us to be able to do that. Um, so we sit and we're eating a meal together and we're just doing the usual, talking through life and, and studying uh, what the Bible said. And, and I noticed this family, uh, this couple, sorry, just sitting down uh, not too far from me and they were eating their dinner. And as I looked at them, I just felt like God said, will you go and pay for their meal? And so seeing a, a, an opportunity and wanting to just be obedient myself, I, I called the waiter over and he brought the check and uh, I paid for the meal. And then we just carried on with our meal. And as we were about to leave, I just went over to the table and just, I gave them the receipt and just explained quickly what I'd done and why I'd done it and then just briefly just shared the gospel with them. I'll be honest with you, that felt really uncomfortable for me. I actually had to muster up a little bit of uh, courage myself and I felt really awkward. And I, I don't even think I, I gave an opportunity for them to respond in any way. I think I just did it and then kind of scarpered off. Um, but it was an opportunity for me to just model a kingdom value to somebody. He needed to see it in action so that he could see how this plays out in daily life. Just look for those opportunities to just demonstrate just the things that you see in the scriptures. So Jesus modeled the lessons. And then finally, it says that he, he sent them out to practice by themselves. You'll see in Matthew 10, there's this example of Jesus uh, sending out the disciples to a nearby village to go and do all the things that he'd just been showing them how to do. 
he, he, he basically said to them, look, you've, you've heard me teach about it now, and you've seen me doing these things. Right Now it's your turn. Go and do it yourself, and come back to me and see how you do. Go and share the gospel, and go and pray for the sick to be healed. See, Jesus knew that they, it wasn't just going to be good enough for them to learn how to do it while he was there. He, he knew that they needed to do it by themselves when he was gone. And so it's so important, as we disciple people, that we actually set the lessons we actually set practical things for them to do. That homework is good in discipleship. And sometimes this can be uh, something that we set, a challenge for them to set, or we just ask simple questions. You know, I, I'm actually still discipled myself on a pretty regular basis by uh, one of the missionaries in the Antioch movement. He lives overseas, and so we chat every couple of weeks, and uh, we'll speak over the phone, and guarantee at the end of every week, he'll ask me some form of the question of, Okay, Ian, what's, what's your next step with this? What, what are you going to do to actually live this out this week? How can I help you do that? And so we want to find ways that they can actually practice it and live it out throughout the week. And then next time we meet with them, we just check in and see how that went. Now, these are just simple steps that we can take as we begin to learn how to disciple somebody. And we can just simply just get to know their story. We can just take time to study the word with them, to practice it and model it in the moment. And then just give them some homework to do, give them a challenge to go and live it out this week. Now, these are helpful steps for us to get started, but I also just want to be honest and say, discipleship is not easy. Discipleship is often hard work, and it is uh, sometimes costly, but it is so worth it. And, you know, the, these are simple steps, but you'll find as you go into discipleship, there's so many uh, different aspects to it. There's so much more that I would love to be able to share with you on discipleship that I can't do right now. And that's why I want to encourage you. Finally, the last thing I want to say is that the best way to learn how to make disciples is to make disciples. The best way you're going to learn and grow in making disciples is to go and disciple someone. I've found just that this, as we do it, it actually increases my own spiritual growth. Studies have actually shown that people learn best as we teach other people how to do it. It's the best form of learning for ourselves is when we teach other people. It creates a hunger in us because it, it begins, it shows us the areas where we need to grow. It, it shows us, uh, it gives us this impetus to uh, press in and find out more. I promise you, I found that as, as we disciple people, it transforms us in the process. And other people get to be discipled, and then we get to see that paid forward, and we get to see more people experience transformation through Jesus. So the question is, will you commit to making disciples? I would love to see a discipleship-making movement happen right here in this church. So I want to encourage you just to pray and ask God, who can I invest in? Who can I just uh, arrange to, to meet with and just invest in and just uh, go through this discipleship process? Just pray and ask God who that should be. As we close, I just want to pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that you are the master disciple maker.
God, we thank you for the way that you lived your life here on earth, the things that you modeled to us, the things that you shared with us. And Lord, would you teach each of us how we can go and make disciples? Jesus, I pray that these lies that get in the way, that we have nothing to offer, that we don't have time, that we, uh, that we don't know how to do it, God, I pray that you would just speak into those, those places. God, I thank you that you don't use perfect people. You use everyday people like uh, everybody in this room, like myself. God, would you make us disciple makers? Would you lead us? Just as it says in uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, right at the end it says, and behold, I am there with you always to the end of the age. God, we remember that as we go and make disciples that you are right there with us. Would you teach us how to lean on you, depend on you as we make disciples? And Lord, we pray that lives would just begin to be transformed through discipleship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.au.